Chapter fifty three, part four of a popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six by Francois Guizot, translated by Robert Black. Chapter fifty three, Louis the fifteenth, France in the colonies, seventeen forty five to seventeen sixty three, part four on the fifth of september seventeen fifty five four hundred and eighteen heads of families were summoned to meet in the church of grand pre the same order had been given throughout all the towns of acadia the anxious farmers had all obeyed colonel winslow commanding the massachusetts militia repaired thither with great array Quote, it is a painful duty which brings me here he said i have orders to inform you that your lands your houses and your crops are confiscated to the profit of the crown you can carry off your money and your linen on your deportation from the province the order was accompanied by no explanation nor did it admit of any all the heads of families were at once surrounded by the soldiers by tens and under safe escort they were permitted to visit once more the fields which they had cultivated the houses in which they had seen their children grow up on the tenth they embarked passing on their way to the ships between two rows of women and children in tears the young people had shown a disposition to resist demanding leave to depart with their families the soldiers crossed their bayonets the vessels set sail for the english colonies dispersing over the coast the poor creatures they had torn away from all that was theirs many perished of want while seeking from town to town their families removed after them from acadia the charity of the american colonists relieved their first wants some French Protestants, who had settled in Philadelphia after the revocation of the Edict of Nantes, welcomed them as brothers, notwithstanding the difference of their creed, for they knew all the heart-rending evils of exile. Much emotion was excited in France by the woes of the Acadians. In spite of the declaration of war, Louis XV made a request of the English cabinet for permission to send vessels along the coasts of America, to pick up those unfortunates. Quote, our navigation act is against it replied mr grenville france cannot send ships amongst our colonies a few acadians nevertheless reached france they settled in the outskirts of bordeaux where their descendants still form the population of two prosperous communes others founded in louisiana settlements which bore the name of acadia the crime was consummated the religious pacific inoffensive population which but lately occupied the neutral land had completely disappeared the greedy colonists who envied them their farms and pasturage had taken possession of the spoil acadia was forever in the power of the anglo-saxon race which was at the same moment invading the valley of the ohio general braddock had mustered his troops at wills creek in the neighborhood of the allegheny mountains he meditated surprising fort duquesne erected but a short time previously by the french on the banks of the ohio the little army was advancing slowly across the mountains and the forests braddock divided it into two corps and placing himself with colonel washington who was at that time serving on his staff at the head of twelve hundred men he pushed forward rapidly Quote, never said washington afterwards did i see a finer sight than the departure of the english troops on the ninth of july seventeen fifty five all the men were in full uniform marching in slow time and in perfect order the sun was reflected from their glittering arms the river rolled its waves along on their right and on their left 
the vast forest threw over them its mighty shadows officers and soldiers were equally joyous and confident of success twice the attacking column had crossed the mahonganella by fording it was leaving the plain which extended to some distance from fort duquesne to enter the wood-path when the advance guard was all at once brought up by a tremendous discharge of artillery a second discharge came almost immediately from the right the english could not see their enemy they were confused and fell back upon general braddock and the main body of the detachment who were coming up to their aid the disorder soon became extreme the regular troops unaccustomed to this kind of warfare refused to rally in spite of the efforts of their general who would have had the manoeuvre as in the plains of flanders the virginia militia alone recurring to habits of forest warfare had dispersed but without flying hiding themselves behind the trees and replying to the french or indian sharpshooters before long general braddock received a mortal wound his staff had fallen almost to a man colonel washington alone reserved by god for another destiny still sought to rally his men Quote, i have been protected by the almighty intervention of providence beyond every human probability he wrote to his brother after the action i received four balls in my clothes and i had two horses killed under me nevertheless i came out of it safe and sound whilst death was sweeping down my comrades around me the small english corps was destroyed the fugitives communicated their terror to the detachment of colonel dunbar who was coming to join them all the troops disbanded spiking the guns and burning the munitions and baggage in their panic the soldiers asked no question save whether the enemy were pursuing them Quote, we have been beaten shamefully beaten wrote washington by a handful of french whose only idea was to hamper our march a few moments before the action we thought our forces almost a match for all those of canada and yet against every probability we have been completely defeated and have lost everything the small french corps which sallied from fort duquesne under the orders of m de beaujeu numbered only two hundred canadians and six hundred indians it was not until three years later in seventeen fifty eight that fort duquesne laid in ruins by the defenders themselves at last fell into the hands of the english who gave to it in honour of the great english minister the name of pittsburgh which is borne to this day by a flourishing town the courage of the canadians and the able use they had the wits to make of their savage allies still balanced the fortunes of the war but the continuance of hostilities betrayed more and more every day the inferiority of the forces and the insufficiency of the resources of the colony Quote, the colonists employed in the army of which they form the greater part no longer tilled the lands they had formerly cleared far from clearing new ones wrote the superintendent of canada the levies about to be made will still further dispeople the country what will become of the colony there will be a deficiency of everything especially of corn up to the present the intention had been not to raise the levies until the work of spring was over that indulgence can no longer be accorded since the war will go on during the winter and the armies must be mustered as early as the month of april besides the canadians are decreasing fast a great number have died of fatigue and disease there is no relying added the superintendent on the savages save so long as we have the superiority and so long as all their wants are supplied 
the government determined to send reinforcements to canada under the orders of the marquis of montcalm the new general had had thirty-five years service though he was not yet fifty he had distinguished himself in germany and in italy he was brave amiable clever by turns indolent and bold skilful in dealing with the indians whom he inspired with feelings of great admiration jealous of the canadians their officers and their governor m de vaudreuil convinced beforehand of the uselessness of all efforts and of the inevitable result of the struggle he maintained with indomitable courage more intelligent than his predecessor general Discau, who like braddock had fallen through the error of conducting the war in the european fashion he nevertheless had great difficulty in wrenching himself from the military traditions of his whole life an expedition in seventeen fifty six against fort oswego on the right bank of lake ontario was completely successful general webb had no time to relieve the garrison which capitulated bands of canadians and indians laid waste pennsylvania maryland and virginia montcalm wrote to the minister of war rouille quote, it is the first time that with three thousand men and less artillery a siege has been maintained against eighteen hundred who could be readily relieved by two thousand and who could oppose our landing having the naval superiority on lake ontario the success has been beyond all expectation the conduct i adopted on this occasion and the arrangements i ordered are so contrary to the regular rules that the boldness displayed in this enterprise must look like rashness in europe therefore i do beseech you monseigneur as the only favour i ask to assure his majesty that if ever he should be pleased as i hope to employ me in his own armies i will behave differently the same success everywhere attended the arms of the marquis of montcalm in seventeen fifty seven he made himself master of fort william henry which commanded the lake of saint sacrament in seventeen fifty eight he repulsed with less than four thousand men the attack of general abercrombie at the head of sixteen thousand men on carillon and forced the latter to relinquish the shores of lake champlain this was cutting the enemy off once more from the road to montreal but louisbourg protected in seventeen fifty seven by the fleet of admiral dubois de la motte and now abandoned to its own resources in vain supported an unequal siege the fortifications were in ruins the garrison was insufficient notwithstanding its courage and the heroism of the governor m de drucourt seconded by his wife who flitted about the ramparts cheering and tending the wounded he energetically opposed the landing of the english and maintained himself for two months in an almost open place when he was at last obliged to surrender on the twenty sixth of july louisbourg was nothing but a heap of ruins all the inhabitants of the islands of st john and cape breton were transported by the victors to france canada had by this time cost france dear and she silently left it to its miserable fate in vain did the governor the general the commissariat demand incessantly reinforcements money provisions no help came from france quote, we keep on fighting nevertheless wrote montcalm to the minister of war and we will bury ourselves if necessary under the ruins of the colony famine the natural result of neglecting the land went on increasing the canadians hunters and soldiers as they were 
had only cleared and cultivated their fields in the strict ratio of their daily wants there was a lack of hands every man was under arms destitution prevailed everywhere the inhabitants of quebec were reduced to siege rations the troops complained and threatened to mutiny the enemy had renewed their efforts in the campaign of seventeen fifty eight the journals of the anglo-american colonies put their land forces at sixty thousand men Quote, england has at the present moment more troops in motion on this continent than canada contains inhabitants including old men women and children said a letter to paris from m doré war minister mr pitt afterwards lord chatham who had lately come to the head of the english government resolved to strike the last blow at the french power in america three armies simultaneously invaded canada on the twenty fifth of june seventeen fifty nine a considerable fleet brought under the walls of quebec general wolfe a young and hopeful officer who had attracted notice at the siege of louisbourg quote, if general montcalm succeeds again this year in frustrating our hopes said wolfe he may be considered an able man either the colony has resources that nobody knows of or our generals are worse than usual quebec was not fortified the loss of it involved that of all canada it was determined to protect the place by an outlying camp appeal was made to the indian tribes lately zealous in the service of france but now detached from it by ill fortune and diminution of the advantages offered them and already for the most part won over by the english the canadian colonists exhausted by war and famine rose in mass to defend their capital the different encampments which surrounded quebec contained about thirteen thousand soldiers Quote, so strong a force had not been reckoned upon says an eye-witness because nobody had expected to have so large a number of canadians but there prevailed so much emulation among this people that there were seen coming into the camp old men of eighty and children of from twelve to thirteen who would not hear of profiting by the exemption accorded to their age the poor cultivators turned soldiers brought to the camp their slender resources the enemy was already devastating the surrounding country quote, it will take them half a century to repair the damage wrote an american officer in his journal of the expedition on the st lawrence the bombardment of quebec was commencing at the same moment for more than a month the town had stood the enemy's fire all the buildings were reduced to ruins and the french had not yet budged from their camp of ange gardien on the thirty first of july general wolfe with three thousand men came and attacked them in front by the river st lawrence and in flank by the river montmorency he was repulsed by the firm bravery of the canadians whose french impetuosity seemed to have become modified by contact with the rough climates of the north immovable in their trenches they waited until the enemy was within range and when at length they fired the skill of the practised hunters made fearful havoc in the english ranks everywhere repulsed general wolfe in despair was obliged to retreat he all but died of vexation overwhelmed with the weight of his responsibility Quote, i have only a choice of difficulties left he wrote to the english cabinet aid and encouragement did not fail him 
the forts of carillon on lake champlain and of niagara on lake ontario were both in the hands of the english a portion of the canadians had left the camp to try and gather in the meagre crops which had been cultivated by the women and children in the night between the twelfth and thirteenth of september general wolfe made a sudden dash upon the banks of the st lawrence he landed at the creek of foulon the officers had replied in french to the qui vive or who goes there of the sentinels who had supposed that what they saw passing was the long-expected convoy of provisions at daybreak the english army was ranged in order of battle on the plains of abraham by evening the french were routed the marquis of montcalm was dying and quebec was lost general wolfe had not been granted time to enjoy his victory mortally wounded in a bayonet charge which he himself headed he had been carried to the rear the surgeons who attended to him kept watching the battle from a distance Quote, they fly exclaimed one of them Quote, who asked the general raising himself painfully Quote, the french was the answer Quote, then i am content to die he murmured and expired montcalm had fought like a soldier in spite of his wounds when he fell he still gave orders about the measures to be taken and the attempts to be made Quote, all is not lost he kept repeating he was buried in a hole pierced by a cannon-ball in the middle of the church of the Ursuline, and there he still rests. In 1827, when all bad feeling had subsided, Lord Dalhousie, the then English governor of Canada, ordered the erection at Quebec of an obelisk in marble bearing the names and busts of Wolfe and Montcalm, with this inscription, quote, Mortem virtus communum, famum historia, monumentum posteritas dedit or valor history and posterity assigned fellowship in death fame and memorial end quote. in seventeen fifty nine the news of the death of the two generals was accepted as a sign of the coming of the end quebec capitulated on the eighteenth of september notwithstanding the protests of the population the government of canada removed to montreal the joy in england was great as was the consternation in france the government had for a long while been aware of the state to which the army and the brave canadian people had been reduced the nation knew nothing about it the repeated victories of the marquis of montcalm had caused illusion as to the gradual decay of resources the english parliament resolved to send three armies to america and the remains of general wolfe were interred at westminster with great ceremony king louis the fifteenth and his ministers sent to canada a handful of men and a vessel which suffered capture from the english the governor's drafts were not paid at paris the financial condition of france did not permit her to any longer sustain the heroic devotion of her children m de lally tolandal was still struggling single-handed in india exposed to the hatred and the plots of his fellow-countrymen as well as of the hindus at the very moment when the canadians united in the same ideas of effort and sacrifice were trying their last chance in the service of the distant mother-country which was deserting them the command had passed from the hands of montcalm into those of the general who was afterwards a marshal and duke of Lévis. 
he resolved in the spring of seventeen sixty to make an attempt to recover quebec Quote, all europe says renal supposed that the capture of the capital was an end to the great quarrel in north america nobody supposed that a handful of french who lacked everything who seemed forbidden by fortune itself to harbour any hope would dare to dream of retarding inevitable fate on the twenty eighth of april the army of general de levis with great difficulty maintained during the winter debouched before quebec on those plains of abraham but lately so fatal to montcalm general murray at once sallied from the place in order to engage before the french should have had time to pull themselves together it was a long and obstinate struggle the men fought hand to hand with impassioned ardour without the cavalry or the savages taking any part in the action at nightfall general murray had been obliged to re-enter the town and close the gates the french exhausted but triumphant returned slowly from the pursuit the unhappy fugitives fell into the hands of the indians general de levis had great difficulty in putting a stop to the carnage in his turn he besieged quebec one single idea possessed the minds of both armies what flag would be carried by the vessels which were expected every day in the st lawrence Quote, the circumstances were such on our side says the english writer knox that if the french fleet had been the first to enter the river the place would have fallen again into the hands of its former masters on the ninth of may an english frigate entered the harbour a week afterwards it was followed by two other vessels the english raised shouts of joy upon the ramparts the cannon of the place saluted the arrivals during the night between the sixteenth and seventeenth of may the little french army raised the siege of quebec on the sixth of september the united forces of generals murray amherst and haviland invested montreal a little wall and a ditch intended to resist the attacks of indians a few pieces of cannon eaten up with rust and three thousand five hundred troops such were the means of defending montreal the rural population yielded at last to the good fortune of the english who burned on their marsh the recalcitrant villages despair was in every heart m de vaudreuil assembled during the night a council of war it was determined to capitulate in the name of the whole colony the english generals granted all that was asked by the canadian population to its defenders they refused the honours of war m de levis retired to the island of st helene resolved to hold out to the last extremity it was only at the governor's express command that he laid down arms no more than three thousand soldiers returned to france the capitulation of montreal was signed on the eighth of september seventeen sixty on the tenth of february seventeen sixty three the peace concluded between france spain and england completed without hope of recovery the loss of all the french possessions in america louisiana had taken no part in the war it was not conquered france ceded it to spain in exchange for florida which was abandoned to the english canada and all the islands of the st lawrence shared the same fate only the little islands of st pierre and miquelon were preserved for the french fisheries one single stipulation guaranteed to the canadians 
the free exercise of the catholic religion the principal inhabitants of the colony went into exile on purpose to remain french the weak hands of king louis the fifteenth and of his government had let slip the fairest colonies of france canada and louisiana had ceased to belong to her yet attachment to france subsisted there a long while and her influence left numerous traces there it is an honour and a source of strength to france that she acts powerfully on men through the charm and suavity of her intercourse they who have belonged to france can never forget her the struggle was over king louis the fifteenth had lost his american colonies the nascent empire of india and the settlements of senegal he recovered guadeloupe and martinique but lately conquered by the english chandernugger and the ruins of pondicherry the humiliation was deep and the losses were irreparable all the fruits of the courage of the ability and of the passionate devotion of the french in india and in america were falling into the hands of england her government had committed many faults but the strong action of a free people had always managed to repair them the day was coming when the haughty passions of the mother country and the proud independence of her colonies would engage in that supreme struggle which has given to the world the united states of america End of chapter 53